0: Welcome to Honey on the Sword, Season 3, Episode 5, Sirens, Part 1 through 6. In 2012, I wrote a series called Sirens, and then in 2013, I wrote a series called Vespers, Feathers, Unicorns, and Horses. Yes, a long title. Vespers, Feathers, Unicorns, unicorns and Horses. Oh my, joking. But... I also wrote one in 2014 called Invisible, which is a continuation of the Vespers, Feathers, Unicorns, and Horses. We may have to just call it F-V-F-U-H to abbreviate that. But all of that to say is I have to give honor to my friend Paulina in Toronto because she felt prompted to tell me the other day, Marini, like, you should be writing more. You should be writing. This is what I'm getting. Like, and she said it in a more, like, beautiful way than what i just said. But all of that to say is she doesn't know that i already have a set of short stories and invisible i didn't finish that series. I stopped at part 10. But i feel like we're going to go on this journey together through these series because they touch on lots of different things that unearth, you know, emotions in us that we really should deal with and children can listen to these stories they are very whimsical. They take us to different places and it will definitely be healing. Please let me know who you feel you related to the most. And, you know, it's going to unearth some things, but it's not going to be bad. It, there are even children in these different stories because there are things that happened in our formative years that affect our lives. And these stories, all touch on the mind, they all do because I am such a person that i 've always loved cerebral visceral um, stories that awaken you or unearth things because we we are not robots; <laughs> we have to deal with our emotions so that we can better learn how to become whole, healed well, and i 'm really excited to share. These different sets of series with you. So, you know how I've just been doing once every other week? I'm gonna go back to doing once a week, or there might be a surprise where, you know, I share something twice in a week. So this is a very long introduction, but I'm going to leave it as is because I've already re-recorded it probably five times. So we're just going to have some grace, (laughs) y'all. So I hope you enjoy. Just delve in, jump in with me. It's so exciting. It's so fun. I love these stories. I wrote them. I wrote every single word and they still are alive and they make me think and they make me feel. And it's very healing. Enjoy. (music) Sirens, part one through six. A man cradles his knees in his arms, pulls them closer to his chest because a visceral pain awakens in him. He frantically looks above because the room begins to spin. It is as if the indoors turns into an unseen universe that rapidly morphs into day then night, climate and weather changes, and whatever his mind can comprehend. But nothing is as it seems to be. He clenches his knees so tightly his knuckles begin to bleed. He begins to run. He runs faster and faster, but only in the concourses of his mind. He squints because he sees a huge labyrinth ahead, turns and looks behind at himself on the bed, internally weeping, lifeless as a patient in a ward. So he quickly looks away, but the visceral pain grows he breathes in deeply and runs for his life little does he know every step away he takes sends charges of lightning through his mortal body who fearfully crouches on the bed this empty cocoon stares off into paralytic nostalgia like one having a seizure he begins to shake thunderously if one dares peer inside gaze into his eyes one would turn away appalled surprised because of the deep sobering abyss of jarring consciousness that quickly latches on like leeches to the curious soul that peers in, leaving a visceral pain that feels like one is perpetually falling in a black hole. Deep within his eyes, horrifying. One can see cities within cities, towering walls, crack and topple simultaneously as the ground shakes violently. It begins to rain, but it doesn't deter pounding feet. Sinewy legs never turn back. He has a strange feeling that he is running in place, as if he is already entering the maze. But he isn't. There it is up ahead. Mud clings to his ankles like poisonous vines, and the wind blows wildly. It is as if it calls his name incessantly. He shakes his head back and forth to stop the madness, but the wind still torments him. It echoes a name no one else could possibly know, Luca. Everyone he once knew called him Aiden Tyne. Tyne looks ahead to distract himself from the rain and wind that unearths his secrets. Luca feels liberated. Even though he doesn't know what's ahead of him, he fears the adrenaline can only keep the visceral pain at bay for so long. Aiden is so fixated on getting away, he doesn't see the labyrinth shaking like the cities in the lifeless shell's eyes. The labyrinth shakes so loudly it sounds like a screeching break of a derailing train. Lightning cracks, but only within the maze. What Aiden Time sees is startling. And it sends him into a mystic daze. His heart races and rumbles like thunder. Tyne remembers a time he dreamt of a girl with red, wavy hair who begged him to let her go on an adventure with him. She was hauntingly strange, but her frantic look was familiar. Her eyes screamed like banshees trying to escape and get away fast. Luca recalls a towering door that suddenly flew open and a door within that door flew open and wildly sucked him in. The frightened girl hollered for time to not leave her behind, so he quickly snatched her hand and immediately a large pulsating cloud wrapped one of its tentacles around Luca's wrist. The cloud looked like an enormous hybrid of a jellyfish and a blowfish. The girl held on to the suspended door... As much as she wanted to go along, she couldn't. The more she feared, the more her hand welded to the door. Time pleaded with her to just let go because his wrist began to bleed as if it were caught in a wire fence. The ambiguous cloud violently pulled Luca towards his destination. So he screamed at the girl to just let go. She started to anxiously ramble and explain why she couldn't let go. And Aiden woke up. He remembered waking from the vision, perplexed and vexed, because he didn't want to leave her behind. He didn't even know her name. Tyne marvels because his wrist bleeds profusely. So perhaps it wasn't a dream. The labyrinth keeps displaying fastly moving memories and vivid visions like night terrors. The more Luca runs towards the maze, the more he becomes like a person stuck in their sleep. They can't move, and when they wake, they feel disheveled. The wind whistles like a siren, and time comes too. The wind is a paradox to Luca because it is his bane and conscience. It reminds Aiden of deeply repressed memories, so he hits rewind in his mind and allows them to flood back in, along with the visceral pain. Cold water briskly splashes over Rebecca's face. Fiery red hair and piercing green eyes start stare back at her in a mirror. She wipes her face gently with a crumpled yellow hand towel that hangs next to a burning chocolate cinnamon candle. Rebecca glances in at the mirror again and brunette hair and icy blue eyes stare back at her. She frantically rubs her eyes and slowly opens them again to look at her reflection a third time. Wavy golden hair and haunting brown eyes stare back at her. Rebecca screams and tosses the candle into the mirror. Blood and wax mix and drip down the edge of the sink onto the floor. Rebecca snatches the hand towel and quickly wraps it around her bleeding fist. Glistening puddles of blood reflect off of the shattered glass on the tile floor. Rebecca carefully steps over the chaotic mess she has made and plops down on the edge of her bed. Frightened and puzzled, she bends over and rubs glistening blood and hardened wax off of her feet to the best of her ability. She quickly jumps up and runs to the hall closet. Frustrated, she turns and runs down the stairs. Rebecca goes to the kitchen and grabs the dustpan and broom. She passes the window and curiously turns back to look at her reflection. Piercing green eyes, freckles, and fiery red hair look back at her. Rebecca grabs her face and with a furrowed brow, confusion overwhelmingly floods her mind and she doesn't realize she has dropped the broom and dustpan. She falls to her knees and looks at her bleeding fist. The crumpled yellow towel must have fallen off. She looks at her feet and quickly back at her hand. There is no blood. There is no wax. There are no cuts from broken glass. The mirror is flawlessly intact when she goes upstairs. The crumpled yellow hand towel still hangs next to the burning chocolate cinnamon candle. Rebecca quickly runs over and blows out the wick. She wonders if she has lost her mind. She bends over and weeps and weaves her arms and elbows through her legs and knees. Cold water briskly splashes over Rebecca's face and fiery red hair and piercing green eyes stare. Sean gently calls her name to wake her from her nightmare and the sweat that pours down her face and he moves her hair out of her face. He grabs the yellow hand towel and pats beads of sweat off of her freckled cheeks and forehead. Rebecca abruptly sits straight up and startles Sean, even though she's done it a dozen times. She bends over again, rocks back and forth, and weeps as she weaves her arms through her knees. Sean gently calls her name again with a gaunt stare. Rebecca's eyes pierce through his soul. She repeatedly asks Sean with a hoarse, raspy voice, Where are Jill and Rachel? He softly runs his fingers through her hair again, deeply gazes into her eyes and delicately reminds Rebecca of the gruesome accident that happened seven years ago. Jill was the oldest and Rachel was the youngest. Jill constantly had seizures when the girls were younger, but they subsided. But it made these sisters extremely close. Jill and Rachel laughed hysterically one evening in the front seats of a car as Rebecca told quick-witted jokes in the back. She could easily make them laugh and smile. The rain heavily poured and thunder crashed as they drove home that night. The lightning endlessly flashed and triggered Jill's childhood seizures. Her brunette hair shook and icy blue eyes stared. Rachel screamed and grabbed the wheel and Rebecca urgently leaned forward to help. Rachel's golden hair flew back and forth as the car swerved and a truck violently plowed into Rachel's side and crushed in her door like a crumpled hand towel. The impact jarringly forced Jill's car off the bridge. Rebecca wildly beat and thrust her fist at the window. Blood and broken glass painted the car a glistening, startling red. The vehicle forcefully shook and violently jerked. Cold water briskly splashed as it rushed over Rebecca's face. The car quickly began to sink to the river's bottom. Rebecca desperately pulled at her sisters but sadly had to swim out of the car and painfully kick her legs to get to the surface in time for a gasp gasp of breath in her burning lungs. Rebecca always has this jarring memory fled in. It takes her a while to bounce back. Her subconscious mind quickly darts over and blows out the gruesome memory like a candle's wick, painting the rift between the present and Rebecca's past. To be continued.